evening, everybody, and uh, it's good to see here, uh, everybody here tonight. And I don't usually stand up in front of so many people, <laughs> um, so if you bear with me tonight. Um, tonight we're, we're, we're focusing in on that verse you just uh, read there a while ago, Romans 8, 28 and 29, so if you open your Bibles at Romans, at Romans chapter 8, I just want to go through something here. Romans chapter 8, <coughs> verses 28 and 29 again. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know, when pastor preached on that here on the first Sunday morning, he preached on Romans eight twenty-eight, And uh, I had already made some notes on what I was kind of wanted to look at. And he covered everything. <laughs> so... I read the next verse in verse 29, and uh, I saw something in verse 29 that said, uh, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So I, 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 I went back over a message that I, that I came across before that we, we used on in RU. It's God's purpose uh, in your life. God's purpose is for you to be conformed to the image of his Son. So tonight I'm, I'm, just, I'm, talking, I'm preaching on a message called Making Your Conformation. Not your confirmation, which is what you did when you were a Catholic, but making your confirmation, okay? So I want to preach tonight a message on God's purpose for your life, which is to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know, the culmination of everything that God has done for us is wrapped up in this phrase, to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know, in this chapter, there is the opening announcement, which should thrill the heart of every Christian. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, if you look at it there as as I read through it, It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, those two verses are just amazing two verses. Your your heart should thrill when you when you when you when you read those, that there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation when you stand before God. Now you're gonna like Brother Dan was preaching today, when we do stand before God, you know, he said we're going we're gonna to hit the ground with fear. But there's going to be no condemnation. No condemnation because, you know, you are forgiven. And he has uh, poured his... Uh, he, he gave his own son on the cross to pay the penalty that you owe for your sin. And he, he's given you something that you, you didn't have, something that you needed to get into heaven, his righteousness. And he, you're clothed with his righteousness. So there's no condemnation in the Christian. Um, so that's one of the first, you know, great therefores in that chapter. But there's another therefore a couple of, a couple of verses down. There's another therefore in this chapter. Look at verses 11 to 13. Verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's more good news. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, there's your therefore, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the, of the body, ye shall live. So I just focused in on those words there. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. In other words, we owe God uh, not to live after the flesh, but to walk after the Spirit. So a Christian has a duty not to live after the flesh, and uh, he makes a choice to follow God, to walk after the Spirit, so that God can continue the work he began at salvation, to be conformed to the image of his Son. So how do we do that? So I want you to go on out to Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a couple of words there that I kind of highlighted in my notes. There's present, there's bodies, um, conformed and transformed. Um, you know, these, these are just things I'm just going to pick out. But after you get saved, there's a number of things you've got to do in order to commence and continue in this process. It's called sanctification. It's becoming more like Christ every day. You know, there are Christians at the moment who have been saved for many years, and, you know, they haven't done what I'm going to talk about tonight. They, they don't do it on a regular basis. And the, the result of what, not doing what, what God wants them to do is now that they're backsliding. And there are Christians who are newly saved and who understand what it is to, um, you know, to be conformed to the image of God, and they do what God wants them to do, and, you know, and they're walking with God. So it's got, it's got nothing to do with how long you've been saved. It's got, it, it's got to do with if you're going to do what God wants you to do. So in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're told to do. What are we told to do? First of all, in Romans 12, 1, we're told, dedicate our bodies to God. That's your presentation. That's the very first thing God wants you to do. He wants you to dedicate your body to him. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies. Now, our presentation should be as a result of realizing God's mercy towards us. Um, it talks about the mercies of God. I want you to go back to Romans chapter 5. It's pretty much in Romans we're staying. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to read from verses 6, 7, and 8. For when we were yet without strength, in due time died Christ, died, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man soon would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you see there, like, like Christ died for the ungodly. There weren't any good persons around um, you know, we're all sinners and separated from God. Um, he commended, that means he showed or he proved his love towards us in that he sent his son to the cross and he did it while we were yet sinners. And there was no guarantee that we would actually take up the offer that he gave to us. He still did that for us. Yeah. And that was well preached on today by Brother Dan. So, you know, our presentation, we present our bodies to him on the basis of what he's done for us, that he's been so good to us. Our presentation should be a willing sacrifice. A willing sacrifice. If you go back to Genesis um, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to talk about Abram and Isaac. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So your presentation must be a sacrifice. Here you have an example of somebody who's following God, Abraham, who waited for, for many, many years uh, for a son. And now that he's got him, I think the son is about 15 or 16 years old, God says to him, I want you to uh, sacrifice your son. And he, he did what God said he was to do. He went and he took his son. And his son also followed his father, and he became a willing sacrifice as well. Yeah. Now, that's a picture. Like, if you were to, someone were to ask you to present one of your children for a sacrifice, there's no way you'd do it. Absolutely none. And this, 
this shows you here, this is a picture of your salvation. And it shows you, like, what it cost God to send his own son to the cross. What, you know, that he, had, that he did that, and he did that willingly. He gave up his own son for, for us, like. And his son went, became a willing sacrifice. So God is asking us uh, to, to do us to sacrifice. He wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. He wants to cut away the things that have us in bondage. He wants us to climb on the altar and to stay there until he has delivered us from the sin that so easily besets us. Are you willing to be that sacrifice? Are there things that you are struggling to do, things that you know are right, but it just seems that there's always a good reason why you can't? What about Wednesday night prayer? Do you turn up for Wednesday night prayer? Do you struggle to turn up for Wednesday night? What about witnessing on a Saturday? Do you go out witnessing? What about church attendance? Is it sporadic or is it, um, do you carry on uh, faithful? What about your tithes and your offerings? Are you tithing? Are you giving? What about sin? What about, let's say, anger? What about lust? Or what about your attitude? What about, let's say, you, you know, drugs and alcohol? Are you still, are you still addicted to cigarettes? And I'm going to use a phrase tonight that you probably haven't heard before, but I'm going to call you all drug addicts. Because your iPhone and your iPads and your tablets and the internet and the TV, they're drugs. They're called digital drugs. And you're all addicted to digital drugs. What about your sports and your hobbies? Are they idols in your life now? What about food, overeating? The Bible calls that gluttony. Are you struggling with these things? When you really delve into it, it's not a struggle to do what's right. You're not struggling to do what's right. It's more an unwillingness to make a sacrifice for God. That really blew me away, and that's true. It's not that I'm struggling, it's just that I just don't want to. You will never do the things God wants you to do unless you become willing to do the things God wants you to do, even when you don't want to. That's called going against the flesh. Many times we're waiting for God to do the things God is waiting for us to do. We want God to take away our addictions and temptations. We want him to take away our sin. But God wants us to forsake him. God, wants, God will not force us to serve him. But he will allow us to go our own way and suffer the consequences until we say, okay, God, I'm going to stop fighting you. I'm going to climb up on the altar. I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to stay there until you take it away. My part is to get up on the altar and to stay there. My part is not to buy those cigarettes. It's not to switch on that TV. My part is, is to leave that stuff alone and let him deliver me from it. Our presentation also should be holy. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Our lives should be holy, that is, without evidence of a double standard. Our lifestyle should show that we're making a willing sacrifice so that Christ may shine through us. It's about, it's about our conduct not only in church, and at home, and at work. It's that we, there's no double standard no matter where we go. I want to go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And I want you to listen to verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, 
But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, your members are anything, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your legs. Those are your members. Before you got saved, you were yielding all those members to sin. But now that you are saved, God wants you to yield your members to righteousness. And further down here, it says, righteousness leads to holiness. You know, that's, and that's the aim. That's what we want. Our presentation should be acceptable to God. If you go back to Genesis again, chapter 4. I'll read from chapter, or I'll read from verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? God had asked him to bring a sacrifice. And uh, you'll see what happened here. He said, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You know, I'll go back here to verse... Uh, yeah, verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And that's at that stage God said, if thou doest well, he said, you know, uh, will thou not be accepted? Abel brought God um, he obeyed God. He brought a sacrifice. He brought a lamb. That's what he was supposed to do. That's what their, his parents told him to do. That's what they were, they were taught to do in the garden. But Cain disobeyed God, and he did his own thing. He brought the fruit of his own labor, the work of his own hands, uh, in his own way. And God warned him. He said, if, look, he said, if you do well, if you, if you bring the pro- proper sacrifice, um, you'll, you'll be accepted. But he was angry, and his anger then led to another sin. He killed his brother. He killed Abel. So sin ruined his life. So, you know, we're talking about something that, you know, sin does kill life. You know, yeah. sin, it separates people from, from you, it, it separates you from God. And like it'll, it'll turn your mind away, it turned Abel there, it turned Cain there. And it'll lead you to do stuff that you don't, you, you just, you, 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 you wouldn't even think that was in your heart. It, but it's there. So if you will dedicate your body to God, that's your presentation. Your sacrifice will be acceptable to God. This is not just a once-off thing that you do after you get saved. This is something you do every day. Every morning you get up, you yield your body to God as a sacrifice, holy, as a living sacrifice to him. So that's your body. Now you've got your mind. Dedicate your mind to God. Um, go back to Romans chapter 12 again, please. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you renew your mind. You dedicate your mind to God, to God's word for renewing. It's called transformation. Why does transformation deal with our minds and not our actions, our actions of what we do? Because the way we think defines what we do. The way you think defines what, as a man, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for a man, think it in his heart, so easy. So the way you think will define what you do. So that's why you dedicate your mind to God's word, because we've got to change the way we think. Uh, the Bible says in I, um, Isaiah 55, 7, 8, and 9, I'll just read it out to you. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts. God is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God is saying, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's a huge gap. There's a large gap between us and God. He's holy. Um, you know, we're not holy. Um, there's a huge gap between the way, the way we think and the way we behave. But God gives a solution to the problem in that same chapter, in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. If you want to go back to it, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. The solution to the problem that we have, like our thoughts, is given there in these two verses. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it a bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So it's not, it's not going to return to him void. You know, when the rain comes down, the rain does what it's supposed to do. It waters the earth and there's fruit. There's fruit as a result of that. And it's the same with God's word. You know, when we, we get into God's word and we're looking, and we, we're looking for uh, help and we're looking for direction, like God's word is not going to return to him void. It's going to prosper in the thing where to he sent it. Like It's going to help us. It's going to guide us in the right way. It's going to transform us. It's going to help us. So... <clears throat> The Word of God cleans out our minds and it takes away the junk that's already installed in it. We need to be reprogrammed. Uh, and we, that is done as we read the Bible. And it's more than just reading, it's studying. And it's more than just studying, it's memorizing. And it's more than memorizing, it's meditating. It's reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the Word of God. And, you know, in the Old Testament, they used to have these kind of phylacteries. Uh, they, they used to, they, the Jews used to go around with the, the word just planted in their head there. Well, it's, that's okay, but we want it in our heart, you know. And that's, that, that's just a, an indication that, you know, we need to be thinking about the Word of God all day. We need to be memorizing the Word of God we need, and meditating, just bringing it back up again. You know, whatever you covered that morning, when you're, whatever God said to you, whatever he spoke to you, you need to think about it as you go through the day. Or you may, maybe you need a verse to help you to overcome some problem or some area in your life. Maybe you need assurance. I don't know. But that's all I know is that you get it from the Word of God and you get it by just getting into it. And not just walking away and leaving it there, but bringing it with you. Make sure it's inside in your heart. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit and you can use it against the attacks of the enemy who's all the time planting thoughts in your mind. The devil is always working. He can plant thoughts in your mind. He doesn't have to uh, possess you. All he has to do is control the way you think and he has control of you. So he's always planting lies in your mind. The mind is a major battleground because if you lose the battle there and start believing that the lies that Satan will feed you, you're going to be defeated. That is why it's so important to spend time alone with God each morning before you start your day. You need to present your mind to the Word of God so that your mind is fed with truth. God will show you what you need to know. Just ask him. It's the one thing that I have never stopped doing, and that is spending time alone with God in the morning. Now, I may have stopped praying, and sometimes I have. Uh, you know, I may have stopped helping people, and I, sometimes I have. But I've never stopped being alone with God in the morning. <coughs> and telling him what's going on in my life. Yeah. Because <coughs> if you don't do that, you're just going to wander off and do your own thing. You know, no matter what it is or what you're going through, if you just get up in the morning and give it to the Lord, you know, he's going to help you for that day. <coughs> 
You know, when God sees our sinful thought lives, it grieves him. If you go to Genesis chapter 6 there, the Old Testament, Genesis. Genesis 6, 5 and 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You know, God sent the flood then. But you know, when he looks down now, you know, hopefully he'll see like his servants are in the word, are reading his word, you know, and are, are trying to do right. But you must understand something about your, your heart and your mind. The heart is wicked. Man's mind is wicked. And if you think, um, if you think not, and I'd just like to ask you, would you like every thought that crossed your mind today was put up in the screen there and for everybody else here to read it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, sin has an effect on us. Because of sin, we're often deceived into believing that our thoughts are pure. You may be thinking that my thought life is not that bad. You may be thinking I'm okay. But the Bible says you're wrong. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? You can't, you know, unless God shows you what's inside in your heart, you wouldn't even know it. But you can. You can know it. Just ask God to show your thoughts and the intents of your heart. You know, we, I go back to David there. David did that in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David committed really bad sin. David, he committed adultery. And because the way sin operates, he wanted to cover up. He then committed murder to cover up that sin. That, that, that you know, you, who would have thought? David was a, a man after, after God's heart. David, uh, David walked with God he, since he was just a teenager with the sheep. And uh, he, all the way up through along, he wanted what was right for God. But like that's what, that was inside David's heart. Don't think it's not inside in your heart. Don't think it's not. It's in there. But David wanted a clean heart. And he was afraid that he would repeat the affair that he had with Bathsheba. You know, like, not the affair with her, but a similar type of sin. So he prayed that prayer. He prayed that prayer. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And if you pray that prayer, God will answer you. If you pray it, he will answer you. If you ask him to show you what's inside in your heart, he'll show you. When, like David, you realize that your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, you too will ask God to search your heart. That's an example of a renewed mind. That's what happens when your mind is being renewed. You know, God wants you to, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to be clean. He wants you to have a clean heart. He wants you to know that, that, that only he can do it. So the word of God is able to reveal our sin. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, you all know this verse, 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this is a, you know, you just, you just keep coming back to the Lord, you know. Keep on returning to him. You know, when you find something wrong, keep confessing it. You know, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But just keep coming back to the Lord, you know. Um, you know, the word of God is powerful. 
It was the Word of God that convicted me of sin uh, when I came here first. It was the Word of God. It was the Word of God being preached here, uh, and I was sitting down there, and you know, I'm hearing the pastor preaching, and I was, I said, "Is he for real?" You know, <laughs> I was looking at him and said, "Is he for real or what?" And uh, I came back again, and he's preaching the same stuff he is. I said, "He's saying the same stuff again." I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. You know, and I kept hearing that. And I kept coming back. And, you know, it sunk in. And then I heard the hymns. They were singing the hymns. And then I saw they were singing about the love of Christ, you know. And, you know, between hearing the Word of God and, and hearing the hymns being preached, I realized, like, that I was a sinner on my way to hell. I needed to get saved. And I got saved, you know. It's, it's, it's just through the Word. The Word of God is powerful, like. It's powerful. And it can save you. And then it can sanctify you. It can conform you to the image of His Son. So this is a continual process. And when you commit your works, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord. Commit your sanctification unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Your thinking will be straightened out, basically. And you'll have the mind of Christ. Again, it's a daily program. Just like every day you hand over, your, you, you present your body a living sacrifice, every day you present your mind to the Word of God so that it can be renewed. And now we can come on to make your confirmation dedicating ourselves to God's standards. Basically, you're giving him your will. That's what you're doing. And it says, and be not conformed to this word. So you've dedicated your body as a living sacrifice to God. That's your presentation. And now you've dedicated your mind to God's word for renewal. That's your transformation. These are big words. And you can now dedicate yourself to God's standards, your confirmation. Being conformed to the world and being conformed to God. Being conformed to the world means being poured into or immersed or being inoculated into the world's way of thinking and conducting ourselves. And this world is controlled by Satan. And the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. That's amazing. If you go to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Verses 3 and 4. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, to shine unto them. Like the gospel is like a light shining, shining into your heart when it's preached. It's showing up what's inside. And not only is it showing up what's inside, it's showing up what you should do to get right, you know. But like it's hid to them that are lost, because Satan has blinded their minds. Like Stillman stood in front of you with a torch and put it straight into your eyes and then took it away, you're blinded. That's what Satan has done to people that are lost. They're blinded. They can't see what we're talking about unless the word of God, unless the gospel uh, shines in there. The devil is active in every area of this world. He's in uh, just education, politics, religion, and he's in addiction, self-help, and that kind of stuff. He has convinced people that it's all about you. I want you to go back to Isaiah chapter four, uh, Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament. Because I want to show you that Satan is all about himself. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did its weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, 
He's going to say, I will, five times. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the, stair, the stars of God. I will sit up also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. That's heaven. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the side of the pits. So you see how many times he refers to himself as he plans to dethrone God. You know, he says the words, I will, five times. This same mindset is in those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. If it's going to be, it's up to me. That's what it is. Like, it's, it's up to, I'm going to do it. The devil hides the finished work of salvation to, from the unbeliever. And he's blinded the minds from the truth. The world mold is all about me. And I just wrote down there a few examples. Pro-choice, that's me. My choice, my body. Pro-choice. Pro-life, that's about the baby. That's not about me. This life, this world, this life, it's all, it's uh, as good as it gets, this is it. You know, live it up. But the Bible talks about eternal life. There's a different life. When you go to addiction, when you go to um, whatever, you know, recovery programs that talk about getting sober and clean, that's okay. But like, when I was here, I was sober and I was clean, but I wasn't free. I was made free. It's different. I was made free. There's no more struggle. Um, I wrote down evolution as being all about me. And I wrote down creation as the, the opposite of that. I don't know why I did that, but I just did. It just, it just strikes me that evolution is all about me, you know, for some reason. Religion works. That's all about me. It's what I do to get to heaven. It's me. I'm going to do it. But like the Bible talks about salvation, it's already done. He saves you. You know, the world has lies mixed up with truth. But when you look at the Bible, we just have the truth. There's no lies in the Bible. So it's, you know, totally opposite. So thank God we have the truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Do you know what that means? It means that God inspired those people who wrote scripture. He gave them his words. They're not their words. They're his. And it's profitable for doctrine, what's right, for reproof, what's wrong, for correction, how to get right, and for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. So the Bible is the, Bible is, is the answer. So being conformed, that's being conformed to the world. We're being conformed to God, being, being poured into God's way of conducting our lives. That's different. And now it's Romans 8, 28, 9. But God, you know, you know the verses, that, that God, God uses people. He uses everyday events. He uses challenges. He uses failures. He uses sickness, the sickness we go through. He uses our weakness. He uses our difficulties. In other words, he uses everything that happens that happens to us, to mold us and to change us, to look, to look more like his son. And if you are willing to conform your life to Christ, then you can claim that promise that all things work together for good. If you're willing to conform your life to Christ, if you're willing to dedicate your body, if you're willing to dedicate your mind, and if you're willing to dedicate yourself to God's standards, you can claim the promise that says all things work together for good. But if you're not willing to do that, all the things you're going through are not for your good at the moment. They're the other way around. So if you'll accept your circumstances as being from God, God will use it to change you. He'll make you like Christ. A major area of being conformed to God's image is letting go of our past grievances. So this now is kind of like a practical, a practical example of what we're talking about tonight. You know, we often want to hold on to our past hurts, you know. We, we just want to go back and relive all the past hurts that we've been through and all the grievances, but God wants us to let them go. 
And this is where God's word is invaluable. So I want you to go now to Ephesians 4.31 and 4.32. Ephesians 4.31 and 4.32 says this. Let all bitterness and anger, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and even speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So, Ephesians 4.31 and 4.32, basically you're talking about two men there. In Ephesians 4.31, you're looking at the old man. That's flesh. Everything you see there is bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. That's the old man. And you look at Ephesians 4.32, you're looking at a new man. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. There is a big difference between Ephesians 4.31 and 4.32. But Ephesians 4.32 holds the key for letting go of past and present grievances because it tells you to do something. It says, be kind one to another. You know, the next time that someone steps on your toe or gets in your face or whatever and they're, you know, they're in there and you feel that whoosh coming up, you know, that kind of what, who do they think they are kind of stuff, you know. If the next time that that starts, that's the old man coming up. The next time that starts happening in your life, Ephesians 4.32. Okay? Yeah? Be ye kind one to another. Don't, don't go that way. Go the other way. Be ye kind one to another. If it's just, that's how you kill it. That's how you stop it. You Ephesians 4.32 is. Ephesians 4.32 holds the key of letting go of past and present grievances. Not only just the past, but what's happening in your life today as well. Let go of past feelings you may be using to justify your anger or wrongdoing. And again, young Christians or old Christians... You are to practice Ephesians 4.32 and it's something you can practice in your life. And this is something you can do and you can take away tonight. And you can practice all this this week. And you can become more like Christ. You can be conformed to the image of Christ. If you will put this into practice, if you will do this, if you read Ephesians 4.22, 23 and 24, it says, put off the old man. And it says, the next verse, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then it says, put on the new man. What I'm telling you tonight is, if you do this, You'll be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you obey that verse, you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're obeying God. You're doing what's right. So Ephesians 4.32, all your problems this week. And read those verses, like, because we all, fall, we all fall short in those areas. So if you will learn to harness your emotions for the glory of God, freedom is inevitable, and a life filled with joy is the end result. Properly controlled emotions show that we're becoming more like Christ. That's Confirmation, making your confirmation. The Bible says in Proverbs 16:32, "He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit, temperament, spirit, temperament, see temper, temperament. He that ruleth his spirit, then he that taketh the city. But if we lose control of our emotions, we're open to Satan's attacks, because Proverbs 23:28 says, "He that had no rule over his spirit, his temperament, temper." Is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So when you lose your temper, as they say, the walls are broken down and in comes Satan and he starts a party in your head or whatever, in your house. 
or in your life. So one who is slow to anger and controls his spirit is one who controls his emotions. That control does not come from within oneself. It comes from God. And such a person practices Ephesians 4.31 and 4.32. It's very simple. You can do it. Each and every one of you can do it this week. So according to the word of God, such a person is better than the mighty. So why do we do all this? You know, I mean, why, why do we do all this? Like, And Dan, Brother Dan covered it today, and I was saying in my mind, don't, don't say it. <laughs> if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, we all go through problems like, you know, we all go through problems, and it, sometimes it's hard to kind of keep going. Sometimes it can be hard. It can be just hard to keep going. And like, you, you just got to go to God and go on your knees, and you got to tell him, if you're struggling, tell him and ask him for his help, you know. And I think that's the way I was the other morning. And uh, I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I read this. And it says there in verse uh, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that's your, that's your salvation. You're going to heaven. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So there's a judgment coming. You see, you're not going to be judged for your sin. Brother Dan said today, because your sin has been judged on Christ, but on Christ, and has judged. And the wrath of God has been, I think the word is propitiated, he's been satisfied. So you're not going to be judged for your sin, but you're going to be judged for your works uh, from, from the day you got saved. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. There's a reward for doing this. There's a reward for um, fighting against sin. There's a reward for service. You're going to be rewarded. God's going to reward you. I think that's very encouraging. And when you are down, I think, you know, well, I'm going to get a reward. So you just get up and you do it. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I did. That's what I just said, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fall down. I'm not going to fall by the wayside. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this. Well, if any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Listen to this: Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So you've got a job, like you know, it's a war that you win. It's a holy war. It's a war about holiness. It's about being more like God. And it's, it's, it's a good fight. And it's, it's worth fighting it. And there's going to be a reward. Okay. So tonight we spoke about God's purpose for our lives is to conform us to the image of his son. You know, and then we spoke about because of what God has done for us in salvation, we are debtors to God, not the flesh. We're not debtors to follow the flesh. We're debtors to God. We must cooperate with God in his work in us. He's not, you're, you're not going to be conformed to the image of Christ if you just sit down and watch the TV until you, you're taken home. There's something you've got to do. We dedicate our bodies, a living sacrifice. That's our presentation. We dedicate our minds to God's words for renewal. That's our transformation. We dedicate ourselves to God's standards, our confirmation. Without these dedication, we remain babies, babes in Christ. And babies cry a lot. So that's the message. Yeah.